Chapter Sixteen of Wolf the Saxon by George Alfred Henty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Voyage North. The armourer found without any difficulty that twenty-five vessels, exclusive of small coasters, had arrived in the port during the thirty-six hours previous to the time of the meeting on the bank. Of these, eighteen were from English ports seven from normandy france or flanders three of the latter had sailed away and of the four remaining in the port two were from rouen one from calais and one from flanders having obtained the names of these he took boat and rowed down the river and ascertained where each lay at anchor he then with the assistance of some citizens of standing of his acquaintance obtained a view of the manifests of their cargoes the Flemish vessel carried cloth, the other three miscellaneous cargoes, wine, dried fish, cloth and other goods. The Flemish vessel was the largest, those from Rouen and Calais were about the same size. All had discharged their cargoes and were waiting for a change of wind to drop down the river. There was nothing unusual to be observed on any of the ships. The men were for the most part down in the forecastle for the weather was too severe for them to lounge about on deck. He talked the matter over with Bion, and they agreed that it was most probable that the men would embark from Calais rather than Rouen. It was a far shorter and less perilous voyage, and moreover, as Frenchmen, they could move about without attracting attention, while as Normans they would be viewed with a certain amount of hostility and suspicion. I will make it my business to watch the vessel. I know not whether any good can come of it, but I would fain be doing something. If the wind changes, she will doubtless proceed to sea, and if they are still on board of her, they will come ashore, and I could see their numbers and where they put up. That will indeed be important, Beyond said, for we should then have two places to watch, and should be almost certain to get to the root of the matter. But how will you watch her? There are many houses near the water's edge on the southern side of the river near which the ship is lying, she having moved away from the quays when she discharged her cargo. I will hire a room in one of these and will there pass as much of my time as I can, and I will take with me my apprentice, Ernulf, whom I shall bid keep his eye upon the ship whenever I myself am away. I need say nothing whatever of the reason of my desire that I should be acquainted with everything that passes on board. Ulred succeeded in getting a room exactly opposite the French vessel, and sitting back from the window he was able himself, unseen, to notice everything that passed on board the ship, which lay scarce her own length from the shore. Upon the third day a boat containing a man wearing an ample cloak with a hood, which was pulled up far over his face, rowed up to the side of the ship, and climbed up right nimbly into her waist. It's a Saxon cloak, the armourer said to himself, but those are Norman leggings. The man is tall, and the quickness with which he climbed over shows that he is young. I doubt not that that is our man. I would give a year's profits of the forge to be hidden down below at present. However, it is much to have learnt that this is really the ship, and that the Norman's friends are still on board. I would that Wolf were in London. He has a keen wit, and would hit on some plan by which we might get to the bottom of the matter. Bjorn is a brave young thane, and were Wolf here, would second him valiantly. 
but he has none of the other's quickness of thought. As soon as this fellow leaves the ship, I will hurry back to take counsel with him, and hear what the boy Ulf, who is a marvellously shrewd little knave, may think of the matter. Half an hour later the boat put off again. A man came up to the side with the visitor, and retired below as soon as he had left the ship. Ulred at once hurried off, hailed a boat a short distance higher up, and was rowed to Westminster. As soon as he gained the house, he dispatched Ulf to Beorn. The latter listened to the discovery that had been made, and then asked the armourer what he advised should be done. "'That is just what I am at a loss about, my lord. Doubtless were we to go into the city, and tell the port reeve that there are men on that craft who have designs against the king's life, he would pounce upon them and throw them into jail. But we have no evidence to give in support of the charge.' Beorn nodded his head in agreement. If I had half a dozen of my own men here, he said hotly, I would go down in a boat after nightfall, seize the vessel, and put all on board to the sword. That would hardly do, my lord, the armourer said gravely. On the high seas doubtless the things might be done, but here in the port of London it would be a desperate undertaking, especially as we have naught that in the eyes of the law would in any way justify such an action. "'Well, let us have your own advice, then,' Beorn said impatiently. "'You think they cannot be arrested, and they may not be slain. "'What do you counsel shall be done?' "'I see naught to do but to continue to wait and watch. "'We are better off than we were before, inasmuch we know where these men are. "'Yes, but we do not know where they will be to-morrow, "'for we know nothing of what passed between Fitzurse and them. "'Doubtless some settlement of their plans has been come to.' They may land or may sail away, for methinks from the look of the sky there is like to be a change in the weather. You see, the Norman may have taken them news that Harold will soon be on his way back, for indeed a message arrived from him this morning, with news that all things have been well-nigh settled, and that he will shortly make for York, where he is to wed the sister of the northern earls. It may be that the ship may be bound thither also. You left your apprentice on watch, I suppose. Yes, I bade him keep his eye on the ship, and should any men leave her, he is to follow on their track and mark their movements. At any rate, there can be little need for me to watch this evening, Bjorn said. As Fitzurse has seen the others today, he cannot want to meet them tonight. No, that is certain, the armourer agreed, but with your permission I will call Ulf in. I told him before I sent him to you what I had observed. Are you going to watch again this evening, boy? he asked when Ulf entered. Methinks there can be little chance of his going out again to-night. I shall keep an even stricter watch than usual, Master, Ulf said, for it may be that the agreement at which they arrive to-day is that they sail north, and in that case Walter Fitzurse may go on board the ship and hide there until the wind changes and they can get up sail. I think the boy is right, my lord. In a dark matter like this where we know so little, it behoves us to provide for every chance but I think not that there can be any need for you to be on watch, for it can hardly be that they will hold another consultation on the river bank. Ulf returns soon after ten o'clock. He has not gone out by my gate, master, but I find that my comrade is missing. When I went round as usual to the other entrance, he was not there. Perhaps he was tired and went home. No, indeed, the boy replied indignantly. He has sworn to do what I told him, and he knows that it would be bad for him if he broke his word. Besides, we are sworn comrades. 
he has never before failed me and i cannot but think that he must have seen the man go out and followed him i instructed him that if any time he saw a man like the one we are looking for he was to follow him wherever he went and to bring me word whether he met any one and whether he returned to the palace or went into any house if he did so he was to make a small mark on the doorpost with chalk so that in the morning he would be able to point it out with surety i will sit at my window and watch and i warrant it will not be long before he is here half an hour later ulf heard steps rapidly approaching then a low whistle he put his head out of the window what is the news edwin a man came out in a cloak he was tall i followed him and i heard a sword clink under the cloak so i felt sure it was the man we have been looking for i stole after him he went straight down to the river and gave two short calls a boat was rowed up only a word or two was spoken then he took his seat in it and was rowed away down the river you have done well comrade ulf said i warrant that some good will come to us through your discovery good night ulf went and knocked at his master's door and on ulred opening it he told him the news i will go down right early the armourer said it's beginning to rain master the frost has broken and the wind is soft and warm so much the worse boy i will be up at daylight and you shall go down the river with me i may want to send you back with a message to beorn next morning they had rowed near to london bridge when they saw a boat approaching the day had broken but the light was still uncertain as the boat approached however ulf said there is a boy in the boat master and he wears an apprentice's cap maybe it is ernulf the other boat was keeping close in shore for the tide had begun to run down the armourer told the boatman to row closer in and presently called the boy's name yes master it is i i was just coming to you with news in a couple of minutes the boats were alongside each other what is your news ernulf but i can guess the ship has sailed yes master i lay down by the open window and half an hour before day broke i was aroused by the creaking of ropes and looking out i could see that the ship was getting up sail tide was then just on the turn and five minutes later her sails were spread and she went down the river i came off to tell you but it was some time before i could get a boat come on board here ernolf the armourer said your message has saved us further journey he then paid off the lad's boatman and with his two apprentices returned to westminster beorn will be up by this time ulf you had best go and tell him the news i will come with you to save time though i see not that there is aught to be done the thane at once came out and chatted for some time with ulred while ulf stood by cap in hand it is certain that something should be done and yet i see not what it can be what think you boy i see by your eyes that you would fain speak i should say my lord that it would be a good thing if we could discover whether the norman is still at the bishop's palace he may have returned early this morning that can easily be done beorn said i will send my man to the bishop's and bid him ask one of the servants if walter fitz Urse is in he need not say that he comes from me only that he has a message to deliver if the servant says he is there i will bid my fellow slip away when the man goes to fetch him down supposing he is gone as i should think he has done what then then my lord i think there is more danger than if the norman remained here it may be that the normans have returned to france and abandoned any plans they may have entertained but it seems to me far more likely that they have gone north to carry out the enterprise whither think you they will be bound off 
i should say to the humber my lord they may on landing proceed to york or if they have really designs against the king's life may take post somewhere on the road down from that city by my faith the boy is right beorn said what say you master armourer i say the same my lord the villains have slipped through our fingers and we can do naught to stay them it seems to me that not an hour should be lost in sending a warning to the thane of staining i will mount myself and ride north beorn said and i my lord will at once go down to the port and inquire if there be a ship sailing to-day for the humber scarce a day passes that one or more do not start for the northern ports yes ulf i shall take you with me you are charged with this business by the thane of staining and i am but aiding you in it i will go straight away to the city my lord and if a ship be sailing and after so long a bout of east wind it's like that many will be doing so i will be back in an hour with the news maybe i can find a quick sailor and should be at one of the ports in the humber before the craft that left this morning by the time you return i shall have found out whether fitzurse is at the bishop's palace and shall have my horses ready to mount the armourer learnt in the city that several ships for the north had already dropped down the river and that three others were hastily completing their lading and would follow by the next tide he learnt from a trader that one of them was considered especially fast and being acquainted with the owner he took the armourer with him and arranged for a passage for him and the boy you will have to be on board this afternoon the owner said the shipmaster will not waste a tide but as soon as it turns will up anchor and make his way down the river in the dark he knows the channel well and there will be light enough to enable him to hold on his course all night the east wind may return again and he might be caught so he has decided to start as soon as the last bale is on board he knows the sands well and you may reckon on a speedy passage if the wind holds as it is or even if it goes round to the east again when he is once abreast of harwich on returning to westminster ulred learned from beorn that fitzurse was there no longer having as a servant said left for normandy i'm just starting ulred which will be at york first you or i pens upon the wind my lord a ship can sail night and day but a horse and rider must take some rest it may be that we shall lay to at night but that must depend upon the shipmaster if the breeze holds and the ship goes on without stopping methinks we shall be there before you at any rate beorn said we may feel sure that we shall both be in time whatever their designs they will have to lay their plans and wait for their opportunity and such may not come for some time farewell then ulred and a safe voyage to you as for me i have had enough of the sea and never wish to set foot on board a ship again for what with the want of space and the tossing and the sickness i would rather pass the time in bonds in a prison cell than be cooped up in a ship a few minutes later beorn attended by his servant started for the north and in the afternoon ulred after giving many orders to his head man as to the conduct of the business during his absence took boat and with ulf went on board the ship to the armourer it was a very serious undertaking upon which he was embarking he had never before set foot on board of a ship and a sea voyage in those days was regarded as a very dangerous business nothing short of his loyalty to harold would have induced him to have ventured on such an expedition it was but a few months since that the northumbrians had been burning and sacking the country round northampton 
and even putting aside the dangers of the sea, he regarded the visit to the north as full of peril. Ulf, on the other hand, was delighted. To him the journey was full of interest and excitement, and on his return he would be regarded as a great traveller by his comrades. His face, therefore, as he climbed on board ship, was in strong contrast to the grave and serious visage of his master. Before the vessel had passed Greenwich he had made the acquaintance of the two ship's boys, and soon felt perfectly at home on board. He watched with great interest other craft that they met or passed, and noted with great satisfaction that they overhauled several who had, when first seen, been two or three miles ahead. The wind was blowing briskly from the southwest, and with her great sail set, the vessel ran quickly through the water. Even when the tide turned, she held on her course, and keeping close in shore, made good way against it. Many times during the night he went out from the close sleeping space to assure himself that the vessel was still making way. When morning broke, the tide had again turned, and Ulf found that the vessel was now holding her course near the middle of the river, which had widened to an extent that seemed wonderful to him. "'Where have we got to now?' he asked one of the boys. "'Are we out at sea? There does not seem to be any land on the right hand.' "'You would see it if it were clear. We are just opposite Foulness. The vessel rolls about a good deal.' "'Do you feel ill?' the boy laughed. "'This is nothing.' "'No, I feel hungry, but that is all. If the wind holds as it is, we shall not have it rougher than this, for we shall steer more and more north, and as we always keep inside the sands, the land will shelter us. The shortest passage is straight ahead, but we generally go through a channel between two sands into the wallet, which lies between the sands and the Essex shore. There are not many shipmasters who will come down the river below Sheerness at night, and even our master would not try it with a falling tide. But even if one does touch when the tide is rising, one soon gets off again. She won't roll about so much when we get inside the sands, and beside, I heard the master say that he thought the wind would fall lighter as the sun got up. I should like it to keep on just as it is, I've said. I do not want it to blow so hard that we must go into port, and I don't want it to blow so light that we shall go slowly. What are you in such a hurry for? the boy asked. There are some people my master knows who have gone up in a ship that started yesterday morning, and my master wants to be there before them. You need not be afraid, he is sure to be there first. Like enough we have passed them already. The wind was not so strong yesterday as it was in the night, and I expect they had to anchor when the tide turned. If they have a master who knows the sands well, they may have gone on when the tide turned again. But it was likely they would anchor before they got down to Sheerness. If they did, we passed them three or four hours ago. But anyhow, you are sure to be in first. We often beat vessels that started with us by a week. Most of them go outside all the sands when it is fine weather. But we always keep inside, and it makes a great difference, for the tides do not run strong, and even with a light wind we can make way against them, while those outside have to anchor. I can't make out how you can find your way in the dark. If it's a thick night and the weather is bad, we anchor, but when it is clear enough to see the stars, or if the wind is steady so as to give us our direction, we go on. There is a man always standing at the side with a lead line, and that tells us the depth of the water, which is quite guide enough for the master. Of course, we never sail in rough weather, 
or if we went on the sand then we should soon go to pieces but if it is fine when we stick fast which is very seldom we put out the anchor and lower the sail and go to sleep until the tide floats us up again come up into the top you can see a great deal further from there than you can from the deck Ulf found no difficulty in mounting to the top although he was much longer than his companion in getting up there were several sail following them and Ulf was surprised at the knowledge his companion showed of vessels that appeared to him almost precisely similar the one nearest to us is the alfred he said i know her by that patch on her sail she trades with harwich those two smaller craft behind are bound i should say for colchester or malden that craft two miles ahead of us is a foreigner you can see her sail has a longer yard than the others and the sail is narrower at the bottom than it is at the top those two or three small craft you see in shore have passed through the channel we shall follow into the wallet the furthest one is going on to harwich the others into the rivers there is a craft about our own size hull down close by the land she may be going to harwich or may be going on north she looks to me like a foreigner if so she has come last from london french and flemish ships do not come within fifty miles of this and now i must go down we do the cooking and breakfast must be ready in half an hour or the master will be storming at us the wind held steadily from the southwest, and the vessel ran along near the shore in smooth water the armourer had been ill the first night but he came on deck soon after breakfast and when once the vessel was past the mouth of harwich bay and was close inland he soon recovered on the morning of the fourth day after leaving port she entered the mouth of the humber and by nine o'clock arrived at hull landing at once the armourer found a small vessel on the point of starting for york and in half an hour from the time of weighing anchor the tide turned and they ran rapidly along helped by the flood at what time will you reach york the armourer asked the master by daylight to-morrow we shall sail on until the flood is spent then anchor and go on again as soon as the ebb has done how far will you be from york when you anchor we shall most likely get to selby some fourteen miles away by the road though farther by the turns of the river could you put us ashore there for we are anxious to reach the city as soon as possible oh yes i'll put you ashore in the boat either there or wherever else we may bring up they were three miles short of selby when the ebb began to come down and the anchor was dropped the armourer and ulf were at once landed and shouldering their bundles they set out at a brisk pace and passed through selby at four o'clock no questions were asked of them there was but a small difference of dress between the people of various parts of england and it was no unusual sight to see traders and others passing along the road on their way to the northern capital i'm right glad to be on firm land again Ulred said for although after the first night matters had been better than i expected there was always a movement that seemed to make my head swim i liked it master Ulf said and if it were not that i am going to be an armourer i would gladly be a sailor you might not have said so if you had seen bad weather and moreover it is one thing to be a passenger with naught to do but to amuse yourself and another to be always hauling at ropes and washing down decks as a sailor i'm glad night is coming on for i feel strange in this country i know nothing of it and in the dark one place is like another 
i would much rather walk along this road in the dark ulf laughed than along some of the streets of london where one may step any moment into a deep hole or stumble into a heap of refuse at any rate in the dark no one can see we are strangers ulf and though i should not think there would be robbers on the road so near to york these danes are rough folk and i want to meet none of them one man or even two i in no ways fear but when it comes to half a dozen even the best sword player may wish himself out of it they met however but one or two men on the road and beyond exchanging the usual salutation nothing was said but ulred was well pleased when about seven o'clock they entered the streets of york they had already learned that the royal marriage had taken place on the previous day and that the king was expected to remain in york two days longer before journeying south there was a banquet being held at the archbishop's palace where the king was lodged and on arriving there they found that it would be at present be impossible to get at wolf as supper had just been served a small bribe however was sufficient to induce one of the bishop's servants to take the message to osgod who would be stationed near his master's chair that his father was at the entrance and prayed him to come out to him as soon as possible a few minutes later the tall saxon came out with an expression of utter bewilderment on his face is it really you father in flesh and blood he exclaimed as his eyes fell on ulred i have never been taken for a ghost osgod and if i were to give thee a buffet methinks you would have no doubt upon the matter but what brings you here father if they had told me that the great abbey tower stood without i could have not been more surprised do you not see that i have brought ulf with me osgod if your head were not so thick you would guess at once that i have come about the business upon which he was charged osgod looked relieved that his father should be in york had seemed to him so strange and outrageous that he had first doubted his own eyes and then his father's sanity now for the first time the object of his coming flashed upon him is there danger father methinks there is great danger but the story is a long one then i cannot wait to hear it now for i must needs return to wolf i whispered in his ear that i must leave for a moment but that i should be back directly then just whisper to him again osgod that i have an urgent need for speech with him i suppose beorn has not arrived beorn osgod repeated vaguely the thane of Fareham, the armourer said sharply are your wits wool-gathering altogether no he is not here nor has wolf said a word of his coming as he assuredly would have done had he expected him well when i tell you that he is riding from london while i have come thence by sea you may suppose that we thought the matter urgent i will tell wolf at once father but i am sure that he cannot come out for an hour yet the matter will keep that while i will go and look for a lodging for us and get something to eat for we have walked some seventeen miles and my legs are not so accustomed to exercise as my arms in an hour we will be here again ulred and his apprentice had returned to the gate of the bishop's palace but a few minutes when wulf came out followed by osgod your message must be an important one indeed ulred to cause you to leave the forge and to undertake so long a voyage and you say beorn is riding hither on the same errand he is it is a sort of race between us and it seems that we have won let us step aside from here wulf said there are too many gathered about to stare at the guests as they come and go for us to talk unobserved the cathedral yard is close by and there will be no fear of eavesdroppers there it is ulf's story the armourer said when they reached the shadow of the cathedral it is to him that the matter was committed 
and though he was forced to take me into his confidence, the merit of following up the matter, if merit there be, is his. Ulf accordingly related the story of his watching, the discovery he had made by the river, and how Walter Fitzurse had been afterwards seen to embark, and had not returned. Ulred then stated how he had discovered the ship from which the boat had come, and had seen the Norman go on board, and how, when he learned that the ship had sailed, he had, after seeing Beorn, taken passage in another vessel. We have come up fast, he said, and the opinion of the master was that we have gained a full day on any craft that started that morning. Of course we know not that the villains have come hither, they may have returned to France, they may have gone up some of the other rivers in order to take post on the road the king will follow on his way south, but at any rate we felt it right that you should know that Fitz Erse, with those whom he has been holding secret communication, have left London. You have done rightly indeed, Ulred, and in the King's name and for myself I thank you heartily. Of course we are still without any proof that Fitzurs is conspiring against the King's life. It was unfortunate indeed that Ulf did not understand the first conversation he heard, but I ought to have foreseen that it was likely that any talk Fitzurs might have with the others would be in Norman. I cannot think now how I could have overlooked such a probability. Of course, in the years he has been over here he has learned to speak our language, but it would be with Normans he would deal in the matter of which we suspect him. I will give myself the night to think over the matter before I decide what steps we had better take. Inside the bishop's palace, at any rate, the king is safe. As you say, it is not likely that the Normans can be here for a day at least. If their ship is a French one, the master will be ignorant of the dangers of the coast and instead of threading his way through the channels of the sands, as your master did, will have held his course far outside them. I would we knew how many men are engaged in the matter. As to that we have no clue, the armourer said. There was the man of his own rank and the other two who met him on the bank, but whether these were all, or whether there were a score of others on board the ship, I know not. Certainly none showed themselves on the deck while I was watching them, but this proves nothing. They would naturally be kept in concealment, for had there been an unusual number of men on board, inquiries would have been made as to whom they were and their business. I will meet you here at seven tomorrow morning, Ulred, and we shall then have time to talk the matter over more fully. End of chapter 16